You're listening to ReachMD. This week's medical industry feature, Spotlight on Nephrology, a closer look at an IV-administered treatment option for SHPT, is sponsored by Amgen. Parsibiv, etelcalcitide, is indicated for the treatment of secondary hyperparathyroidism, HPT, in adult patients with chronic kidney disease, CKD, on hemodialysis. Sensipar, Sinicalcet, is indicated for the treatment of secondary HPT in adult patients with CKD on dialysis. Parsibiv has not been studied in adult patients with parathyroid carcinoma, primary hyperparathyroidism, or with CKD who are not on hemodialysis and is not recommended for use in these populations. Sensipar is not indicated for use in patients with CKD who are not on dialysis because of an increased risk of hypocalcemia. Stay tuned for the complete important safety information for Parsibiv and Sensipar at the end of this podcast. This program is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome to today's program on ReachMD. I'm Dr. John Russell. On today's program, we'll talk with experts in the field of nephrology to discuss the uptake in the use of Parsibiv for adult patients with chronic kidney disease on hemodialysis who suffer from secondary hyperparathyroidism, also known as SHPT. I have two guests joining me today for the discussion. First up is Dr. David Henner, a nephrologist from Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Dr. Henner, great having you with us today. Thanks for having me. Also joining us today is Debbie Glidden, a nurse practitioner from Orlando, Florida. Thanks for being here today, Debbie. My pleasure. So let's start with you, Dr. Henner. One treatment option for SHPT is oral sinicalcet, which was FDA approved in the U.S. over a decade ago. Seems like a long time without any advancement in the treatment of SHPT, in my eyes. How do you feel about that? It is a long time, but there has been innovation particularly the FDA approval of Parsibiv in 2017. It's a calcimimetic that allows my care team to give SHPT therapy with IV administration while the patient's in the chair. But we were unable to use it for all of 2017 due to a lack of a reimbursement code. But even during that time, I learned about Parsibiv and was already lining up patients in my head who I thought could be ideal candidates for this drug once reimbursement codes did become available. So now prescribers are using Parsibiv on all their appropriate SHPT patients? I wish that were true, but it's not that simple. Sometimes a patient must first fail an oral sinicalcet before they can request initiation of Parsibiv. And what does failure on sinicalcet mean? That's a very good question, one that seems to have many different answers. I would assume not being able to control administration is a major frustration for you. When the inability to control administration causes issue, what does that mean for you? That often means Parsibiv. I prefer to initiate Parsibiv when a patient's lab values are out of the target range I have set for the patient. Even if the patient is at a seemingly lower PTH, like 600 or 700, if his labs are trending up, I might define that as failure and consider Parsibiv. Interesting. Debbie Glidden, how do you feel about all of this? Unfortunately, as much as we like it to be the case, there isn't one black and white definition of sinicalcet failure. It really has to be considered from patient to patient. A PTH of 600 looks great if that patient started out at 2,000. But if that patient with a 600 PTH was once comfortably at 300, that's a different story. KDGO guidelines tell me that a patient's PTH should be somewhere between 130 and 600. So that's what we aim for. 
And if a patient is not achieving those levels, it's going to compel me to take action. And sometimes if a patient is supposed to be taking oral Sinicalcet and I see their PTH jumping in and out of that range or consistently trending upward, that may also trigger me to adjust treatment. Thanks for sharing that insight. For those just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Dr. John Russell, and today I'm speaking with Dr. David Henner and nurse practitioner Debbie Glidden about the use of Parsibiv for adult patients with chronic kidney disease and secondary hyperparathyroidism. Here's some additional important safety information for Parsibiv and Sensapar. Parsibiv is contraindicated in patients with known hypersensitivity to etalcalcetide or any of its excipients. Hypersensitivity reactions, including face edema and anaphylactic reaction, have occurred. Sensipar treatment initiation is contraindicated if serum calcium is less than the lower limit of the normal range, 8.4 milligrams per deciliter. And now, back to the program. So focusing back on our conversation, Ms. Glidden, tell me about starting a patient on Parsibiv. First and foremost, I will write Parsibiv when I feel it's important for us to control administration. We initiate Parsibiv for appropriate patients in order to manage their SHPT. We start them out at the approved dose, which is 5 milligrams three times a week at the end of hemodialysis. It's important to ensure that a patient's serum calcium is at or above the lower limit of normal before initiating Parsibiv. Following initiation, Check the patient's calcium levels after one week, then every four weeks after that. Also, you need to check the patient's PTH levels after four weeks, then continue to check PTH based on whatever your practice does. Of course, all dosing and monitoring information can be found in the package insert. So then you just order Parsibiv and go from there? Once you've decided to prescribe the new drug, we need to work with our dialysis organization to make sure we get that patient on Parsibiv. So now I'm curious if this is a common occurrence. So I want to ask you, Dr. Henner, once you've decided to prescribe Parsibiv, have you had trouble transitioning? The actual act of switching a patient from oral sinicalcet to Parsibiv is easy. You just have to discontinue oral sinicalcet for at least seven days and ensure serum calcium is at or above the lower limit of normal then initiate Parsibiv at the approved dose of 5 milligrams three times a week. That's no problem. Transitioning a patient to any new product can mean a lot of paperwork. It can seem daunting at first, but with time it becomes routine. So as a follow-up to that, Dr. Henner, what would you say to any clinicians out there who are wondering why they should bother? I would say if you have a patient who you believe could benefit from a treatment like Parsibiv, you have to advocate for them. And I do that every day. Ultimately, we've got to do what's right for our patients. I couldn't sleep at night unless I felt I did everything I could for my patients. That's my responsibility, and I think most nephrologists feel the same way. So, Debbie Glidden, you get the final word. Why do you think Parsibiv is worth fighting for? Again, I cannot stress enough the peace of mind I have knowing that I control administration with Parsibiv. I've been in dialysis over 35 years, and I've seen what these patients go through. It's not an easy life. That's why I fight for Parsibiv, because I really care about my patients, and I've seen the difference that Parsibiv makes. It works. Debbie Glidden, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate the time. And Dr. Henner, I'd like to thank you as well. 
You're very welcome. Well, this has been a very helpful discussion. I want to thank Dr. David Henner and nurse practitioner Debbie Glidden for their time and insights in helping us understand more about the definition of synecalcid failure and their views on treating appropriate patients with secondary hyperparathyroidism using Parsibib. And now, here's the complete important safety information for Parsibib and Sensipar. Contraindications. Parsibib etalcalcetide is contraindicated in patients with known hypersensitivity to etalcalcetide or any of its excipients. Hypersensitivity reactions, including face edema and anaphylactic reaction, have occurred. Sensipar, Sinicalcet, treatment initiation is contraindicated if serum calcium is less than the lower limit of the normal range, 8.4 mg per deciliter. Hypocalcemia. Parsibib and Sensipar lower serum calcium and can lead to hypocalcemia, sometimes severe. Life-threatening events and fatal outcomes associated with hypocalcemia have been reported in patients treated with Sensipar, including pediatric patients. The safety and effectiveness of Sensipar have not been established in pediatric patients. Significant lowering of serum calcium can cause QT interval prolongation and ventricular arrhythmia. Cases of QT prolongation and ventricular arrhythmia have been reported in patients treated with Sensipar. Patients with conditions that predispose to QT interval prolongation and ventricular arrhythmia may be at increased risk for QT interval prolongation and ventricular arrhythmias if they develop hypocalcemia due to Parsibib or Sensipar. Closely monitor corrected serum calcium and QT interval in patients at risk on Parsibib or Sensipar. Significant reductions in corrected serum calcium may lower the threshold for seizures. Patients with a history of seizure disorder may be at increased risk for seizures if they develop hypocalcemia due to Parsibib or Sensipar. Monitor corrected serum calcium in patients with seizure disorders on Parsibib or Sensipar. Concurrent administration of Parsibib or Sensipar with calcium-lowering drugs, including other calcimimetics, could result in severe, life-threatening hypocalcemia. Parsibib and Sensipar should not be given together. Patients switching from Sensipar to Parsibib should discontinue Sensipar for at least seven days prior to initiating Parsibib. Closely monitor corrected serum calcium in patients receiving Parsibib or Sensipar and concomitant therapies known to lower serum calcium. Measure corrected serum calcium prior to initiation of Parsibib. Do not initiate in patients if the corrected serum calcium is less than the lower limit of normal. Monitor corrected serum calcium within one week after initiation or dose adjustment and every four weeks during treatment with Parsibib. Measure PTH four weeks after initiation or dose adjustment of Parsibib. Once the maintenance dose has been established, measure PTH per clinical practice. Serum calcium and serum phosphorus should be measured within one week, and PTH should be measured one to four weeks after initiation or dose adjustment of Sensipar. Once the maintenance dose has been established, serum calcium and serum phosphorus should be measured approximately monthly, and PTH every one to three months. Hypotension, worsening heart failure, and or arrhythmias. In Parsibib clinical studies, cases of hypotension, congestive heart failure, and decreased myocardial performance have been reported. Closely monitor patients treated with Parsibib for worsening signs and symptoms of heart failure. 
In Sensipar post-marketing use, isolated, idiosyncratic cases of hypotension, worsening heart failure, and or arrhythmia were reported in patients with impaired cardiac function. The causal relationship to Sensipar therapy could not be completely excluded and may be mediated by reductions in serum calcium levels. Upper gastrointestinal bleeding. Cases of gastrointestinal, GI, bleeding, mostly upper GI bleeding, have occurred in patients using calcimimetics, including Sensipar, from post-marketing and clinical trial sources. In clinical studies, two patients treated with Parsibiv in 1,253 patient years of exposure had upper GI bleeding at the time of death. There were too few cases to determine whether these cases were related to Parsibiv. The exact cause of GI bleeding in these patients is unknown. Patients with risk factors for upper GI bleeding, such as known gastritis, esophagitis, ulcers, or severe vomiting may be at increased risk for GI bleeding with Parsibiv or Sensipar. Monitor patients for worsening of common Parsibiv or Sensipar GI adverse reactions and for signs and symptoms of GI bleeding and ulcerations during Parsibiv or Sensipar therapy. Adynamic bone. Adynamic bone may develop if PTH levels are chronically suppressed. Adverse reactions. In clinical trials of patients with secondary HPT comparing Parsibiv to placebo, the most common adverse reactions were blood calcium decreased, 64% versus 10%, muscle spasms, 12% versus 7%, diarrhea, 11% versus 9%, nausea, 11% versus 6%, vomiting, 9% versus 5%, headache, 8% versus 6%, hypocalcemia, 7% versus 0.2%, and paresthesia, 6% versus 1%. In clinical trials of patients with secondary HPT comparing Sensipar to placebo, the most commonly reported side effects were nausea, 31% versus 19%, vomiting, 27% versus 15%, and diarrhea, 21% versus 20%. Please visit parsibivhcp.com and sensiparhcp.com for the Parsibiv and Sensipar full prescribing information. This medical industry feature was sponsored by Amgen. To learn more about Amgen, please visit amgen.com. And if you missed any part of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash This is ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.